Welcome to the Fathom Academy podcast, a podcast designed for the people of Fathom Church to be resourced to go deeper with God. I'm Kyle. I'm the youth and digital minister here at Fathom. Thank you for listening in wherever you're at. Uh, This morning, today, whatever time it is right now that you're listening to this, it's morning here. Um, We are going to be talking about and kind of continuing the conversation of last week's Last Sunday's sermon, which was Palm Sunday, um, about transgender identities. Um, first off, Pastor Chris, want, he, Pastor Chris is here. Thank you for being here. Welcome. You know, it is Holy Week, and so I'm a little bit. Um, Are you with us? I'm, uh, Are yeah, you all? I'm, I'm, I'm here, man. I'm, I'm totally here. All together with us here. Just a little tired. Just tired, but you know, it's a good, a good tired. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Pastor Chris re- reminded me uh, at the beginning of this to to say we're, we're going to be talking about transgender identities, some questions we've been getting um, about last week's sermon on this topic. So, uh, but if you have not listened, not yet listened to that sermon from Palm Sunday, please stop this podcast right now. Um, it's posted everywhere. Uh, listen to that. Watch that sermon um, on transgender identities. It was our, uh, kind of our first week, I guess, in our trending series about what the Bible says about topics that are trending in our culture. Um, things that us as Christians, um, should know about and know how to handle and what to do with them. But if you have not listened to that sermon, pause this, stop this right now and go back and listen to it first. Uh, because maybe a lot of these things we'll be talking about. If you haven't heard last week's sermon, you might be a little bit lost, but um, we are going to be talking about transgender identities um, and some of the questions we've been getting in from you fathom um, through, whether it's through uh, discipleship groups or texting in or emailing in um, just some questions of further discussion, things that um, that you'd like to know a little bit more about. And so we're just going to, we're going to, try to answer some of the questions. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll we're do not our experts. Best. <laughs> we'll no. do our, Chris will do his best. Um, I'll do my best in asking the questions. There you go. Yeah. You'll, you'll succeed far more than I will. So yeah. If we don't know the answer, we'll just say, I don't know. If we don't yeah. know the answer, this is, a Q, this is the Q and a man. So we'll just kind of shoot it. Yes. And this is, um, as, as most of you know, and as if you were there or online watching last, um, this past Sunday's, sermon. I mean, this, this is a, a very touchy subject. It's a very sensitive subject. It's a, it's a, it's a big, um, it's a big topic today, wherever you're at, really whatever age you're at. Um, uh, but it's a, it's a big thing that we felt like, I mean, Chris felt like he, he, he needed to talk to the church about and, and that's, um, it's really, really important. So again, if you haven't listened to that sermon, Go do that now, but um, we're just going to go through some questions that we've gotten from you all. Um, and there's, I mean, there's no, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to the order of these. We're just gonna, we're just gonna let's do it. Ask them and answer them. Um, so let let's start here. Since right before we press record, we were talking about um a, a law that was passed in Arkansas, I believe. Yep, somewhere. Um, I had a question on here that kind of talks about the, the, that some people had after the sermon, um, politically, like with, with the direction that things have been going, some laws being passed here and there, um, throughout the country, 
Um, what are we to do as Christians? Um, almost, almost like a, and I don't want to say like Christians versus the law and versus the government, but it's, but what are we, what are we supposed to do with all these, all these big changes that have happened, that have been happening around our country politically with laws, uh, being passed, um, concerning transgender identities and, um, as, as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, what are, what are we supposed to do with, with all of that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, so, so here, here's what I always talk about when it comes to politics, um, at, and, and our church is that we don't, I don't really see my role as being one where I'm to kind of tell you what to vote for or what to vote against, telling you what party to belong to or what party to not belong to, telling you um, who you should vote for or, you know, what platform is correct or, or incorrect. I don't really feel like that's necessarily my place or our place as a church, but we, we, we will talk about the issues like, like transgenderism, like abortion, like, I mean, we'll talk about those issues while not trying to prop up one, uh, one political side or agenda. Now, uh, saying all of that, uh, I think we can comfortably say that, that, that there's some concerning things, at least from my opinion, uh, that are going on politically, uh, in terms of the equality act, in terms of, um, kind of advancing the kind of transgender movement, advancing, um, kind of the sexual revolution even further uh, in our culture. And so those those are uh, values that probably uh, don't fit within a Christian worldview. Now, how do we address that politically? Well, I think that's going to go, go uh, that's going to look different for, for, from person to person. It's going to look different from uh, individual to individual and their polit- political persuasion. And, and we're not going to see eye to eye on all of that stuff. But here's, here's what I would just coach us as Christians on be involved, be involved at whatever level you want to be involved in at the bare minimum, be involved voting, like vote mm. for or against things that you believe that are going to bring glory to God or are going to, uh, promote human flourishing in our, in our culture. Go, go for that. Like be involved. Uh, if you want to be involved more than that, man, you can, uh, take, take your civic engagement very seriously. Maybe that includes, running for local office. Maybe that includes, uh, you know, writing or calling your legislators. I mean, maybe that includes, I don't know, reading or, or being more educated on these things. I would really encourage, um, and counsel us not to get too overly, um, confident in one political agenda or one, um, God help us one source of news, because we all know that, uh, depending on what side you're on, whether it's, you know, Fox News on one side or or CNN or uh, NBC on the other side or goodness, even some polar right and polar left um, subsidiaries beyond that. Man, I just say be be, be wise, you know, be well read, be, be well informed, engage uh, with these these topics um, and then be as civically involved as you as you um, feel called to as a Christian. Um, there's nothing that says that you need to do more or less, but I, and I would just encourage us to be informed biblically, be informed politically, and then uh, vote accordingly and be involved civically at whatever level uh, you feel called beyond that. That's good. Um, and and maybe I should have asked this first, but um, will you just talk about the resource that you used in your sermon and the book that you have next to you? And yeah. Because so- I know some of these other questions will probably 
get into it. But. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I did a lot of reading and a lot of kind of looking into different resources, but kind of the primary book that I, that I feel like is a balanced help was this book called embodied uh, by Preston Sprinkle. Uh, and so that was, this is, this is, we have a link link at, at fathomchurch.org slash trending with all of our resources, but this book is linked there as well. I felt like it was a balanced, helpful um, diagnostic tool for what is kind of the transgender identity movement, but then also what is the the church's response? What does the Bible say? And, and so that was kind of the primary place that I, and I, I felt like it was balanced. I felt like it was fair. I felt like it was well-written and well-researched. And so, um, so if you want to dig deeper, that's another resource for you. All of those resources are on the website. Yes, and we'll link to uh, fathomchurch.org slash trending at the bottom of this um, podcast. But okay, here's a big question that we that we got. Um, in, in, in talking about transgender identities, are people born this way? Um, this whole biological, uh, you, you kind of mentioned before this, uh, are we born with a male brain and a female brain? Uh, are we born this way? Is this a nature versus nurture sort of thing? Yeah. Um, unpack that a little bit. Okay. You are, and I said this in the sermon, very, with very few, ex, I'm sorry, I'm all flummy now. There's water. You got me all choked up now. Sorry, hills and, <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um, with very few exceptions, every human being is born either biologically male or biologically female. Now we said that in the sermon, there are very few exceptions as in some intersex individuals who are born with both uh, or some semblance of both biological sex features. But that is a very small percentage. Even most intersex people are biologically identifiable as male or female. So sex is, is you're born with it. Okay. Now the question I think you're really asking is what about gender? Like what about your gender identity? Is this something that um, you're born with, or is this something that develops, um, maybe is a response to certain stimuli or uh, away from other stimuli? Like what, how does this work now? There's a lot of debate about this and there's a lot of research going on scientifically, medically about this right now. Um, the same is happening with the conversation around homosexuality, right? Is this something that is learned or is this something that you're kind of born with? Uh, is, you know, they, you may have heard about like questions of like a gay gene and things like that. Well, I mean, we, we're not going to go there today, but here's based on my limited understanding. Here's what I've, I've read and understood. Uh, brain sex theory is, is one thing that's out there that says, um, they're trying to figure out like it are, is there something inherently different between a male brain and a female brain that we could actually say those brains are sexed? Like, the male brain looks this way. The female brain looks that way. You put, you know, 10 brains on a table and you could, you could objectively determine that's a male brain or a female brain based upon certain anatomy, based upon certain firings, those sorts of things. My understanding is that there's not yet enough evidence scientifically to, to, uh, really justify a, a true brain sex theory that, that someone would have a male or a female brain. Uh, therefore opening the possibility for someone to have a male brain and a female body and vice versa from birth. Um, my understanding is that that's not scientifically um, been proven or or there's not enough to kind of lend that that theory credibility yet. 
Uh, there might be in the future. I mean, who knows? But uh, as of now, my understanding is that that's not the case. So, so I, I think, um, I think I would probably lean to say it's more nurture than nature. Um, that's at least my understanding right now. But uh, let me let me make a theological point to that. Um, I don't know that it matters whether you're born with this way or not. I'm not sure that that matters um, because as Christians, we believe that Genesis three, the fall affects everything, affects everything as in even pre-born individuals. So for example, David will say in the Psalms that he was brought forth in iniquity, that, that he was, he was, he was sinful in his mother's womb. That is before his birth, he was already negatively affected by the fall. Sin had already fractured even that. So then can you be born with some predisposition towards a certain behavior, a certain sin, a certain, like these sorts of things? I would say, yeah, absolutely. I think so. Um, whether that's by, by nurture, as in you are developing that because of stimuli that happens after birth or by nature, it's just part of who you are, as in you were born this way. I still think that biblically, we want to address the fact that the, the fall has broken everything, and that does not, just because you're born that way does not mean necessarily uh, that that's true, or that's good, or that's right, or that's what God would have for your best and for your flourishing. So uh, yeah, I think that's what I'd say. I don't think there's enough evidence for a, a good argument to say you're born that way, um, but I don't think that that question really matters when we talk about it theologically. Um, <clears throat> our next question is, um, we got a, we got a pronoun question. Um, so what, what names or pronoun <laughs> pronouns are we supposed to use when, when talking with someone who, uh, might've gone through a, a, a transgender kind of, um, identity thing, a switch or whatever like that. Like the, the whole pronoun thing I feel like is everywhere now. And, um, how, how, how yeah. are we supposed to deal with that? Yeah, that's. So that's a great question. Um, and actually in, in, uh, the book embodied that I just mentioned, there's, there's, he talks about this a little bit. Um, okay. So there's different views on this obviously. And, and so there's not a right or a wrong answer. There's maybe a preferred answer that I would have. Um, but, um, the, the question becomes, okay, if there's, um, like, so if you get to meet Caitlyn Jenner next week, you know, Bruce Jenner transitioned to Caitlyn Jenner, uh, and Caitlyn Jenner walks in and, and, so do you, do you call Caitlyn Jenner her or she, or do you refer to her as he, as in her biological sex is a male? So is she a he? Like, this is where it becomes very uh, difficult. Now, uh, different transgender individuals prefer different pronouns, okay? Um, and that's, so, so there's not even agreement within that community. That's mm -hmm. a hard thing. Uh, so some prefer he, some prefer she, uh, many that I read about prefer not to use pronouns at all. And so they prefer they, so you might say, um, uh, you know, Caitlyn Jenner walked into my office and they were so kind, like they will want kind of both, mm -hmm. uh, especially when we start talking about transgender, uh, kind of gender fluid, non-binary gender identities, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Um, so pronouns can be a sticky issue, um, now, there are some Christians who would say you always need to use the pronoun that matches one's biological sex. And that's, I understand that argument. Uh, uh, that's an argument to say well, that's true. That is their true 
identity that is their true sex. Uh, and so it would be in some ways false or even could be construed as lying to use those pronouns that are preferred as opposed to biologically, uh, you know, matching. I understand that. Um, what, what, what Preston Sprinkle in his book argues for is what he calls pronoun hospitality, where he says, uh, this is, this is a small enough issue that, um, that it is a hospitality to somebody that you're trying to build a relationship, love, honor, and respect. It is a hospitality issue that you would, you would call them, uh, by the pronoun that they, uh, they choose. So I feel like I'm, I'm more inclined right now to believe that and to want to practice pronoun hospitality. I did this in my sermon when I told the story about Randy, who was a male, uh, who had transitioned to become a female. And so I kept, I called Randy a she and her in my illustration on Sunday morning. Uh, I think that's pronoun hospitality. Now th this, it doesn't feel like it's a big enough issue from my side that I feel like I want to stick my stake in the ground and be like, you should always follow, you know, sex, or you should always follow what they prefer. I don't, I do feel like though, um, it is a humanizing thing to call somebody by what they want to be called. Now, you know, we can get bent out of shape about pronouns, but the other side is, you know, we call as, as if you read the ESV, which is what we teach out of. I mean, I read it on Sunday, Genesis one, when God created man, he created them male and female man is a gender pronoun, but we know he's, we know that, that the Bible is referring to mankind or humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so there is a little bit of flexibility, even as believers, conservative Bible believing Christians, where we use pronouns, uh, sometimes to refer to both genders. So I would just say there's, there's some consistency issues. There's lots of things to work through, but my preference is to show pronoun hospitality towards those who I would love and want to continue to develop a relationship with. That's good. Um, okay. We got a question. Um, how do we talk to our kids about this topic? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> try, oh you gosh. Know, try to get that in with a, a few minutes. Pastor yeah. Chris. Okay. <laughs> um, here's what I would say. You've got to talk to them about it. I don't care if you're public school, private school, homeschool, it, it, it does not matter. Um, this is not something that you can shelter your children from, uh, forever. You need, it's just like talking about sex. It's just like talking about homosexuality. It's just like talking about drugs. It's just, I mean, they, they, these are all things that you should talk about appropriately at age appropriate stages. Um, but, but it needs to be talked about. So, um, now I'm not a, you know, a child psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I don't know. I mean, I've got one daughter, but, um, let's, let, let's talk about this because, uh, you know, I'm going to have to talk to her about this. Uh, actually we already have a little bit. So that's, um, I'm, I'm working from that much experience, but let me just say this. Um, you need to talk to them about it. Um, I think the fears that drive parents often, not just with this issue, but with many issues is that we feel like we have to have all the answers. Hmm. So that's the first thing. You don't have to have all the answers. Um, so if you don't know an answer for your child, it's okay to be like, yeah, I don't know, but let me read about, it. let me try and figure that out. I'd love mm -hmm. to figure that out and talk to you about that, but I don't know. You don't mm -hmm. have to be the, the, the infallible parent, 
You just need to be a real parent. So mm -hmm. you can just say, yeah, I don't know if they have a question. The second thing is um, recognizing that sometimes when, when Harper comes to me with a question, I think she's asking a lot more than she's actually asking. Mm. So sometimes I want to just take a step back. And when she asks me a question, I want to say, maybe just answer that question and don't try and answer everything about that. That's a good point. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, so, uh, a, fr a friend of mine, uh, they were part of this church, uh, their, their daughter, uh, th this is, this is the story. They, uh, a new family moved in next door to them and, uh, their daughter was, uh, out playing and the new family moved into the house and they had a child about the same age. Uh, it was a little boy. Um, but the little boy was wearing a dress and, and their daughter came to, to them and said, Hey, why, why does he wearing a dress? Mm. Well, come to find out that that family, their next door neighbors now, um, they believed that this little boy, I think he was maybe six or seven, uh, was, was gender fluid and they were letting him express his identity by wearing a dress. Um, you know, save your judgments. Okay. Mm -hmm. That that's, that's not the point here, mm -hmm. but they, the, the couple at our church, they said, so what do we do? Like, how do we address this with our mm -hmm. daughter? Like, how do we talk to her about this? And I said, well, don't answer more than she's asking. I mean, she's six, seven years old. Don't, you don't need to start talking about, you know, sex versus gender. And like, mm -hmm. you don't need to give my sermon. Okay. Like that's, <laughs> that would be more than she can handle. Um, but if you, it, this is what I told them. I said, if, uh, if she asked the question, why is he wearing a dress? Don't girls wear dresses? Here's what you can answer. Yes. Most of the time girls wear dresses. Sometimes boys want to wear dresses as well, but we think it's better for boys not to wear dresses. Mm -hmm. Like you might answer that question to your mm -hmm. seven year old and, and, and they walk away and be like, okay, you know, <laughs> Maybe they're not asking questions about things like don't just I'm, my whole coaching here is don't start answering questions that aren't being asked. Mm. That's probably OK, but you need to talk to your kids about this. You need to talk about gender. God created us beautifully as male, as female. God created us boys and girls, both special, both unique, both needed, both necessary. I mean, you can begin to build those kinds of conversations of what what godly gender looks like or what godly sex looks like into your kids early. Um, and often, you know, we, we always say this, like the best way to sniff out the bad and the wrong and the counterfeit is by looking at the real. Like we, we always use this as an illustration that like counterfeiters, you know, money, counterfeiters, dollar bill, hundred dollar bill, counterfeiters, whatever the, the way that they sniff, they, they're trained to figure out if something is true or false mm -hmm. is they spend time with the real thing, not with the fake thing. They spend, they, they, they learn about the real thing so well that the fake thing is just easy to point out. And I would just say that maybe in this case as well, you want to talk about transgenderism, but you need to talk about gender. Mm. What does it mean to be a boy? How great is it to be a boy? And not like in a stereotypical way, mm. like we were talking on Sunday where it's like, well, you know what, you know, rub some dirt on it. You're a boy. And like not, not weird stuff like that, but just to, to encourage, Hey, it's great that you are a boy and you love music and you love dancing and you love soccer and you love your sister and you love playing with your friends. And, and it's great that you were a girl and you're great at math and you love wearing dresses and your favorite color is, is orange. And like, 
don't build in, build into, it is good that you love the things that you love and that you are the sex that you are. Um, I think that will set them up for better conversations about transgenderism as they grow up um, because they will have the real thing informed and, and uh, impressed upon them. Is that, is that helpful? I mean, maybe mm -hmm. that's not all that there is to say. Maybe I'm totally missing the boat here. How do you talk to teenagers about this? Mm -hmm. I mean, then I think you can begin to, to talk about definitions. And actually, that's when you start sharing the resources with them. In mm -hmm. fact, some of the teens who are in church on Sunday, as they were walking out, they were saying, hey, thank you. This was like, mm -hmm. I needed to hear these definitions because I see this all the time in my schools. Right. So they're already having these conversations. Mm -hmm. You can enter into them with them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, um, we've got we, we've got a, a few more questions here um, for for this round of questioning. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're gonna have more podcasts, and um, what let, let's let's start talking about um, transgendered and um, and the church and Christianity. Uh, yeah. We had a question that was, "What does it look like if and when a trans person becomes a Christian?" Yeah. And you can go whichever direction you want with that one. Yeah. So this is, I, I mean, I just started in on this mm. on the sermon, but here's what I said on Sunday. That one of the goals of Christian discipleship is that all Christians would more and more identify with their biological sex. So that's that based on my understanding of, of the scriptures of science of of God's word and biology all wrapped up together, I think that part of Christian discipleship is progressively identifying more and more with your biological sex. So um, if a transgendered person becomes a Christian, I would say that part of their discipleship process is beginning to and progressively becoming more aligned, letting their, their biological sex and their gender identity move closer and closer together. Now, I said on Sunday, that's going to take a long time, hmm. right? It's becoming who you are. That's, that's Christian discipleship is mm -hmm. becoming who God has said that you are. Hmm. So, um, so that's going to take a lot of time. Now, the questions then start to crop up, like, what if they have transitioned, right? Like, what if they have had mm -hmm. surgeries? What if they have what, what if they've been cross-dressing? What if they have changed their name? Like, what do you do with that? And that, that, that's why I said it, it, if, if trans people flood our churches, it will create mm. beautifully complex discipleship opportunities mm -hmm. for us because it, that's then where it, it comes to a case by case basis to say, okay, some people, um, are going to, uh, maybe maybe detransition. There's lots of detransitioning stories mm -hmm. uh, around the transgender movement. Um, some people uh, might might actually become uh, like be able to transition back completely to uh, to identify with their 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 biological sex. Uh, some might not be able to do that as easily. Maybe they have gender dysphoria. Maybe they have other issues that are kind of presenting. And so um, they might have to just wrestle with that for a long time. They might have to slowly but surely gain counseling, gain care, gain discipleship, gain love, like all of these things that would progress. So um, just like we would say, um, 
any issue that a, that a person has, and then they become a believer, they begin to put those things to death. They begin to progress in their sanctification. I would say that we should offer that same sort of charity to people with any sort of uh, sexual sin and or gender dysphoria, gender confusion, gender incongruency. It would say over time, the discipleship process should lead you to more and more identify with your biological sex. Um, but we shouldn't expect overnight transformation. Mm. Uh, so, and then I would just say beyond that, it's going to have to be a case by case thing. Sometimes it'll work in one way and sometimes it'll work in another way. Mm. And so the same question hap again, comes up with homosexuality is if a, <coughs> excuse me, if a same sex attracted person or openly gay person becomes a Christian, what do they do? Mm. Do they have to somehow become not gay? I mean, that's, that's, there are many, many examples of same sex attracted committed celibate individuals who have said, Hey, I love Jesus. I have the same sex attraction, whether that's nature or nurture, that's another debate. Um, but I know that that's not what God would have for me in my discipleship process. And so I'm going to be a committed celibate. Okay. Like that might work. I, there are also stories of same-sex attracted people who Jesus changes their attraction. Mm. You know, the Holy Spirit in that sanctification process changes that. Does that happen to everyone? Certainly not. So I think we would want to take this by case-by-case -case basis. Um, but I, I, I'll stand by what I think discipleship is, which is moving closer and closer to congruence between our gender identity and our biological sex. Okay. Um, and one of the last questions we got has kind of to do with that, but also um, maybe more practically um, as a church, like okay. how does, how does as, as a church, if man, God willing trans people flood our uh, flood fathom, fathom church. Um, what do we do with that as a church? Like, what, what does that look like? And some people might think it's like a silly thing to talk about, but what, what does that look like here at fathom church when it comes to things like bathroom situations yeah. um when it comes to like youth programming and and retreats and stuff and overnight like just i that's a so much to talk about but yeah. as a church practically if that happens when that happens what are what yeah. do we do i'll lean back on the same the same argument that i made uh around the pronoun thing and that's how do we best demonstrate hospitality, Christian hospitality mm. towards people? So bathroom thing. I mean, one of the benefits of our facility right now is that we have um, single use kind of family style bathrooms um, back around the corner of the, the hallway. So uh, I, I know everybody's freaking out culturally about like, well, right. is it, yeah. you know, what if a trans person shows up in the bathroom? Mm -hmm. My kids mm -hmm. in there. Like, yes, listen, I'm concerned about that too. Those are mm -hmm. concerning things. Uh, I think we always, uh, if you're on the non-trans spectrum or maybe a more conservative political spectrum, you're always asking the question, what about us who are being subjected to trans people coming into the bathrooms? Uh, but as I've done research, there's also the other side of the perspective of what about trans people who are terrified to go to the bathroom mm -hmm. in public because right. they know that they don't fit in either one. Right. Like, so what does that do? I think a kindness, a hospitality kindness is having, you know, family bathrooms. I mean, listen, as a dad of a daughter, I so appreciate going to the zoo and they're having a family bathroom. Right. Because it is weird for me to bring my girl into the men's room. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and 
and that's hard, you know? So, so I think that's a hospitable thing is to have kind of family bathrooms for people. I'm thankful that we have that available availability at our church. So it's a hospitality thing. Um, men's and women's ministry, you know, we could talk about this, that like, okay, making sure that our men's and women's ministries and men's and women's groups and Bible studies aren't propping up social stereotypes, cultural stereotypes and gender roles, but rather are dealing with biblical masculinity and femininity and are welcoming to those who don't really fit kind of the quote stereotype of what a man or what a woman feels like. I think both of those are necessary to show hospitality, to demonstrate hospitality to those who would want to be discipled in Christ. And, and then the youth ministry thing, you know, the, the retreat thing, mm-hmm. I mean, should like sleeping arrangements on retreats, who gets to be in what cabin, man, man, what a complicated question. <laughs> but I would also say transgenderism is not the reason why that's a complicated thing. Okay. Correct. So, um, mm-hmm. for example, same sex attraction complicates that because, you know, boys in that room, girls in that room does not solve the issue right. necessarily. So again, we would say this, like we would like, I mean, I was a youth pastor for a long time. You're our youth minister here. Mm -hmm. Um, Good adult supervision, loving, kind adult supervision. Okay. Um, Safe places for, for uh, kids and youth to, um, to work through and wrestle through their discipleship process. Mm -hmm. Um, And then hospitality towards students who are struggling. So maybe that means there's a third cabin where a, a kid could, you know, who who's struggling with this, who's wrestling with this, but who wants to pursue discipleship can, can be housed. You know, like, I don't know you again. It's just, instead of saying boys in this room, girls in that room, it's just saying, how do we again, dress, address individuals, people, not just the problem, not just the, the topic, not just the trending aspect of it. Um, not, but how do we engage with people, with individuals, lovingly and, hospi- and, and hosp- hospitably um, demonstrating Christ's love for them with the goal of disciple making? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's okay to say. Um, so, yeah, again, beautifully complex. Mm-hmm. There's not simple answers to any of these things. Uh, but I also think outrage and, and protest against them is, is probably not going to do us any good either. So. Right. Um, that was the last question we had. Yeah. I'm going to add, and that, I think that was a good place to end on this one, but I want to leave it to you for, um, last, last little thoughts. I know you, you didn't want to completely reiterate your sermon. That's why we're telling people to go listen, go listen to the sermon from last week. Um, but any, anything else that you'd like to at least put a little bow on this conversation and then maybe plug next week's conversation. Yeah. So if people still have more questions, like you can do your own reading, you can do your own research. You can always send us more questions. I mean, we'll address more questions as they come up. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think this is a live topic uh, and more is going to come out, more research, more policies, more cultural stuff. And so we want to continue to ask the question, what does the Bible have to say about this stuff? That's the whole point here is that we want to be biblically informed Christians. Uh, we want to can hold our convictions, but also lead with compassion. Like both of those things must be true about us. So just commend that to you church that, that, that we want to be a resource for you. Uh, next week, we're going to record with a, um, a guest, a special guest. I, I don't want to, uh, to let you know who that is yet. So next week we will have an, a, a conversation a little bit more about transgenderism, specifically uh, talking about 
um, some trends that are happening around teenagers, teenage girls in particular, um, and what's called rapid on, rapid onset gender dysphoria. Uh, so we'll have a little bit more targeted conversation with a guest next week. So look for that uh, in your podcast, you know, subscribers and all that. Um, but I just I just lay this out to you, church. We want to love you well. We want to serve you well, and we want to love and serve those who God would graciously bring to our church. And so, um, man, I am praying for, for this to be beautiful and complex because this is hard. I mean, it's a hard stuff. These are heavy topics. Um, but we want to love people and we want to further God's kingdom and God's mission in this world. So that's what we're about. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Yeah. Grace and truth. Uh, listen to the sermon from last week. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for for tuning in, for listening to this. Again, um, we'll link below fathomchurch.org slash trending. There are a bunch of resources, and we'll just we'll keep putting them on there, and that will be the site for the next trending topics that we'll we'll handle over the next year, two, three, four, five. Wh- Who knows? However yeah. long there's a trending topic, which is going to be forever. Forever. <laughs> um, so, so check that out, church. Again, um, Keep following this wherever you're at on the on the Fathom app or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, FathomChurch.org um, for also next week's uh, awesome podcast. We're really excited about that. Um, but it, I mean, it is Holy Week, so we hope to see you all uh, for Good Friday service at 630 and Easter services on Sunday. If you haven't registered, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to because there's like barely any spots left. So yeah. please do so. Um Thank you, church. We love you, and we'll catch you next time.